You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. Oh, look, Mickey's got a prop. This one says B-I-D-E-N. I recognize that name. It says Biden. It, it looks as if you went to an actual physical convention, but there was no such thing. There so was that, in, in yeah. 2008. That's from 2008? Yes. The, uh, I went to the 2008 convention, allegedly as a reporter. And at the end, right before I went home, I went to the convention hall, now deserted, to pick up what souvenirs I could find. I, I wanted an Obama sign, and all the Obama signs, of course, had been taken. Right. The, tra- the trash cans were stuffed with Biden signs because nobody wanted them. Buy so they, low, they, sell they, high, they, Mickey. You've done it again. They, you know how to invest. They left them all behind. Uh, so this just this, this sign in a in a nutshell is the trajectory of Biden's career, although it doesn't quite capture it because I thought we had destroyed him in 1988. We, we at Newsweek came up with a story that uh, that knocked him out of the race in '88. After he plagiarized Neil Kinnock, there was, you know, oh yeah, I noticed you tweeting, retweet, trying to revive the plagiarism controversy on Twitter this week, which suggests to me that you're actually hoping that Trump will win the election. Something you haven't come totally clean on yet. Well, I'm not totally clean on it in my own mind either, Uh, although. You know, the more the Democrats talk in general, the more annoyed I get. Uh, but, um, I, we, Newsweek didn't do the plagiarism story. That was a Maureen Dowd story. Uh, but it was, it was, it didn't knock him out, but it was the situation where one more shoe drops, he has to get out. You know, he was on tender hooks and we had the one more shoe, which was this tape of, uh, him saying, I have a higher IQ than you do, buddy. And then he rattles off. A bunch of academic, uh, achievements, all five out of the six of which were bogus. Uh, so he, hey, he's a liar. A- a- in the ensuing years, you, you, one gets more sympathy for the guy because he's obviously insecure and the questioner had basically said, you didn't go to an Ivy League school. Uh, what, how can you be president? And that sort of set off all his class insecurities and class anger. Uh, at the pointy heads who went to Harvard. So, um, it, it, it's sort of more understandable. Although he did, he did spout bullshit. He's always spouted bullshit and he'll continue to spout bullshit. That, a politician? That not, yeah, wait, let's, let's, let's drill down this. You're saying there's a politician no. who spouts bullshit. He's, I'm not saying it disqualifies him from the presidency. I say, I say he, he is in, in, he runs off at the mouth and his mouth runs runs farther than the facts will take him, and he just adds the facts. He's an Irish storyteller type. A different sort of bullshit than Trump spouts. They're both bullshitters. Trump, it's sort of more conscious braggadocio. Uh, with with Biden, it's just sort of blarney. And I you think know, that's, if, what, if, that's part of what drove the Obama people crazy about him, is the blarney. If the Irish were a more powerful interest group, you'd be canceled now. You just said that dishonesty is characteristic of Irish people, did you not? And I will have you know that there is a certain amount of Irish blood running through the veins in these very hands. I say Blarney is a characteristic of no, Irish before storytelling. That, before that, you you connected Irish Irishness more directly to dishonesty. Storytelling, storytelling. Uh, it's it's like it's like 
Mike Davis, is Mike Davis Irish? I don't know if he's Irish. His history of Los Angeles is great. It's too good to be true. You don't want to check the facts. The stories are too good. So that's Well, it would be of, terrible if we had an occupant of the White House who couldn't be trusted. I, what would that be like? Um, it, w- it would be like the situation we have, but different. I'm just saying... That Except not nearly just, as bad. I'm saying that he's come back from this episode of bullshit. Okay, so uh, and, and 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 he's he's worked his way back, uh, and and sort of that's an achievement. Do you agree with the conventional wisdom that his convention speech was a big success? I said it was a it was a modest success. Uh, I had I had um, I I was I, I love the we're Americans we're not blue we're not red that that was a nice you know that was a, a badly needed thing to say after a convention that was focused uh, way too much on the Democratic base and getting out the vote. And we can talk about why they did that. Um, uh, but so, you know, I'm going to be president for all Americans. That was that was good. And he should the, the the lack of any discussion of his actual plans, with a couple of little exceptions, uh, is was a bad point. Why? Uh, because people like plans. People want to do know they? what do. Do Americans want plans? Or, do, yes. or in this case, I, I think in this case, Americans just want to know that he's not Donald Trump and he seems competent. I, I think okay. his big, his, you know, his big challenge, as everyone knows, was to seem like he's he's all there and he seemed like that. And I thought a little more. He did screw up a couple of times, including near the end when he meant to say that. Uh, Americans have always, you know, been able to do whatever they, uh, they try to do when they come together. And he kind of said the opposite, but, uh, I, I thought it was basically good. It got better as it went along and he got gained confidence. Either he gained confidence or the drugs took effect. I don't know which. If, if it was the latter, he should take the drugs 10 minutes earlier right. next time. But, but the other thing is, I mean, he it was, a, it was a, it was a truly Monachaean speech. He divided, you know, it into the forces of light and darkness. And normally I hate even remotely Monarchian speeches. But in this case, I thought, you know, this really is true. Trump is well, just a bad, well, that's, horrible person. That's that's what he's counting on. He's counting on, the, 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 you know, Monarchianism is enough. And I don't think it is. Uh, uh, maybe it is. I thought he should have stopped before he got to Charlottesville. But up until oh, oh, Char- no. up until Charlottesville... It was a it was a very good speech, light on policy, but it was a good speech. Charlottesville, a what he said is bullshit, and b uh, it got to the sort of the John Meacham, although he does it better than Meacham, but it got to this thing where we've been bad, we need to cleanse our souls. Okay, he doesn't put it like that. Meacham puts it like that. He's more he's more uh, uh, more subtle and nuanced than that, I think, but. Uh, uh, I think I don't I don't see how that appeals to swing voters. You've been bad. You need to cleanse your souls. Uh, that's that's not going to. What does that say to to well, the swing. people in Michigan that he needs? Uh, and I, I had a third point, And with three, I have a piece which is completely left himself. And this is a point everybody's making left the Democrats wide open to the charge that they did said nothing about the urban unrest, the riots, the, the fear of crime. Not, you know, Clinton wouldn't have not done that. Clinton would have said something that implied to Americans he's going to keep them safe. None of that. Can't piss off the base. Yeah, I just think 
for most people watching, I mean, you're having like an elite level conversation. The, the conversation you have on Twitter with your fellow very smart politics obsessives, I think there were a lot of Americans out there who hadn't paid much attention to him, probably since he was vice president. They had heard that he had lost his marbles. That's what Trump keeps saying. And he came off pretty damn well. And now, as you, now, as you said, it, it, now he said one thing that I thought was weird and I didn't get it. It's not a huge thing, but a national mandate to wear masks. Why bring that up? I, I, I got to think that Trump is going to try to make some hay of that. It sounds weird. It sounds like the kind of thing you worry that Trump would do almost. I, I mean, except if he weren't against masks, but I mean, some kind of intrusive, like forceful executive action. Um, <clears throat> I, I thought he should have had more forceful executive actions. The, the national mandate to wear masks doesn't bother me because you know it's going to be real with exceptions. Well, uh, but but he doesn't he doesn't say that the uh, it, the the counterpoint to what you said, which is completely true, uh, it, it, is that people if people really haven't t- tuned in and they tune in to Biden now, they'll say, "Shit, he's really old. We hadn't seen him for eight years." Okay, well, that was a given. Uh, that had to happen. Uh, he is so, old. Well, but he could have seemed younger. Anyway, he was he, he passed he he passed the test of sort of the middling. Middling attentive people who sort of knew he was alleged to have lost it, and he obviously hasn't lost it. <laughs> but the completely unattentive people who didn't, you know, who just hadn't seen him may have said, you know, uh, he looks awful. Well, there's nothing you can do about that. They actually did the physical stuff pretty well. He looked as well as he's looked. The lighting was very good. He didn't, you know. Uh, I agree with that. I agree but, with that. But um, I... Uh, you know, I also thought, I mean, as you said, they did, I should say, I didn't watch much of the convention at all. Um, I, you know, I used to <clears throat> like conventions like 50 years ago, back when things actually happened at them. I actually remember one convention when I was a kid where you went into the convention actually not knowing who the nominee would be. I think it was the 68 Republican convention or something. There was still some hope that Nelson Rockefeller would, would, would win it. Um, but that doesn't happen the, anymore. The Reagan, the Reagan, uh, Ford one, there was. Yeah, a, there was still some. Yeah. In was, fact, Manafort and, was on Ford's side in those days, wasn't he? Or, there were two, there were two Reagan conventions where there was some, I guess not the second, not the second one. The first one where he, where he announced Schweiker as his running mate. Yeah. At the last minute in an attempt to win. Um, and but, even, anyway, go well, ahead. Uh, so anyway, I mean, they, they become more and more infomercials. And this, in that sense, this virtual convention seemed like the logical culmination of what they've been evolving toward forever. Well, and I wasn't that interested in it. Whenever I checked in, I did get the sense of what you alluded to, which is that it seemed more about consolidating the base than reaching out. Right. One, one thing I think is new here, there, even after Anything start, any, p- things stopped happening at conventions, but they were still a huge clusterfuck of reporters and politicians. So you got to see a lot of politicians in a short period of time, especially if you went there. I mean, that was the whole virtue of conventions for reporters is you could go and you could talk to 300 people who you ordinarily wouldn't see the same, the same virtue every convention has. Uh, and also the public could see some fruits of that because politicians would stop by and talk to Tim Russert or whoever. And I wonder if, with so many people streaming it now, the pundit class hasn't been pushed aside. I mean, 
Did you see any pundit commentary? I watched it online. I didn't see anything. I don't. I, don't, I have the faintest idea what Chuck Todd thought of this. Uh, well, I mean, like CNN had a few people commenting. It wasn't a very big crew. Um, okay, so you saw it. I didn't even see CNN. I dialed into to the and they would have like DNC feed, like Van Jones, and you know the usual a few people and one token Republican pollster. Um, yeah, there was some of that. But okay. I, I agree, though, when I did check in, it seemed I didn't see a lot of outreach to Republicans. I mean, obviously, John Kasich spoke and stuff. But like when they did the kind of collage keynote address and the, uh, consisting of 16 different people saying little things like 10 of the 16 um, identified as non-white. And I, I suppose that more or less represents a Democratic constituency. But if you're imagining this this person who's, you know, out there in the Midwest or something who might vote Democratic, that's maybe not exactly what you want to show them. I don't right. know. I, at, at, at one point early on, I was grateful when they spoke English, but uh, <laughs> they got over that. Uh, but and I agree. With, I agree. I didn't see the collage keynote. Uh, the. um I, wor- I wonder if Trump has – this is an actual case where he actually played four-dimensional chess, uh, which is by by seeming to uh, take over the post office and, and you know, if he was really evil, maybe he would tell them don't deliver the mail, right? Um, he set off this paranoia among the left, which had previously been pushing for all-male voting, and – so the left said, oh, my God, the mail is going to be all fucked up and they're not going to deliver, which completely belied their message, which is we want people to vote by mail. So all of a sudden their voters, some of whom didn't want to vote by mail in the first place, i.e. poor uh, blacks who rightly distrust the mail because it doesn't get delivered very well in their communities. Um, uh, the the uh, their they their constituents started saying, oh, my God, we can't use the mail. So then the Democrats panic and dedicate the whole convention to oh my god you got to vote even if you're panicked about the mail you got to take the take your mail ballot to a drop box or you got to where we have an app with 15 different ways to vote or you have to do in-person voting they're completely freaked out about actual voting in a way that they weren't before trump started this usps what's the downside of them emphasizing the importance of voting what it a it's totally talking to the converted i mean there's no you can't do outreach while you're telling the converted to vote and it, it oh. takes up time that you could devote to other things it meant that it meant that you had to have every 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 message instead of trump is bad or we have plans or the republicans have nothing to say about health care which is what i would have emphasized it all has to be remember to vote well duh it's like a political convention they are urging you to vote yeah but uh the yeah, mechanics, but I mean, the actual mechanics of voting dominated. Everybody noticed it more than you noticed it. I noticed it more than any other convention. It was devoted to the mechanics of voting. It's like, yeah, it's like you the, go to a bar and they say drink. Yeah, that's why I'm in the you bar. You know, the yeah. the other. I mean, one of the speeches I got a little of was Jill Biden, and I think that you have to think of that as a significant plus for the Democrats, just because most people probably hadn't thought much about her. And then you see her and she's, first of all, she's been a teacher. That's good. She seems pretty normal. And it's like, she just seems to compare so favorably with Melania. I mean, let's face it, you know, I sympathize with Melania. She's married to a creep, but 
she's just this weird brooding, you know, like uh, opaque person from Eastern Europe, which is fine. But it's like, you know, Joe Biden seems like an actual first lady. Right. I mean, don't you agree? I mean, the, the Melania thing is weird, right? So Melania thing is weird, but she actually has, if the accounts are to be trusted, she has some common sense uh, that Trump doesn't have sometimes. But the Joe Biden speech was very good, and and yeah. uh, that that segment once, you know, once Joe Biden started talking, it was fine, and the and the biofilm before Biden took the stage was very good. Uh, there are a lot of they 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 presented Biden as as a fine decent person, uh, and if that's enough in your in the Manichaean world, uh, the fine decent person versus the bad evil person, that's enough to elect a president. He'll win, but uh, they're you know. There's some indications that, that might not be enough. I don't think voters in 2016 thought Trump was a great person. They think he's an asshole. Be a, he'll be an asshole on my side. And some may still think that. What do you think the Republican convention will be like? God, I don't know. I mean, Trump seems they're definitely going to emphasize this urban violence uh, loophole that you could drive a truck through. Um, yeah. Uh you know, I was hoping he would drop out, but he's too close in the polls now to even think about dropping out. He might actually win. Now, um, the, the polls haven't tightened a lot in the last week or two, have they? I mean, they, I, we noted they're they, ti- tightening they, a few, few weeks ago. They've tightened a bit in the last couple of weeks. They've gone, Biden's lost about a third of his lead. He's down from like eight points ahead to six points ahead in the battleground hmm, states. I, th- I thought RCP had him at like 7.2 from, or 7.4 or something today. But yeah, but down to down in the swing states from six to four or something, uh, mm-hmm. and that's the one that counts. Uh, there was a very scary for Biden CNN poll that had him only ahead by one in the swing states. Uh, that was an outlier, but uh, you know it, it was scary. And th- there were some recent state polls that showed Biden winning, but not by quite as much as he was before. So yes, it's tightening. Is it more tight than? Last time we talked, probably not, but it, it, it's, it's, you know, the, the polls are confirming the typing trend that you pointed out to me. Yes. Before I noticed it. Weeks ago. So. Um, and the media, example. the media is still not making a big deal of it. Did they ever really, did that ever become a story? It's a little, they, they don't want to make a big deal of it. Their entire focus is on beating Trump. Well, yeah, but sometimes it's helpful, it's helpful to note that you need to do a little work for, to make that happen rather than uh, act as if it's a given. Uh, they haven't decided that. They want the bandwagon effect. They're idiots. Yeah. Everything in our lives is devoted to beating Trump. Bob, that leaf blower that's making noise, somehow that guy is trying to defeat Trump. Well, and also, you saw what the deep state did to Steve Bannon, right? And by the way, Mickey, I just wanted to send my thoughts and prayers about that because i know you know you and you and steve are close and yeah i i know what it's like when somebody you've looked up to turns out to be a grifter and <laughs> i um it's hard i and barely know the guy no <laughs> you've met, you met him i what did I, I i i was on his radio show in new hampshire yeah although i didn't make prime time i got the bannon plus outtakes uh but i told you he seemed like a you know, one of those wild investment, ex-investment bankers that scares the shit out of you because you never know when the investment banker in them is going to come out again, even though they seem to be hippies now. 
Um, yeah, I, I more was, than ever. You know, I, in order to get a press pass, I wrote four articles for Breitbart when he was running it, and he didn't touch them, which I take it is better. You know, he's, he 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 had to approve every article on Breitbart, and I. I but he wasn't those, the editor you were dealing with in person. There was right? no editor. I'm a blogger. I just press a button and it appears uh-huh. on the on the internet. But he said, "Sure, Mickey, go ahead." You know, I mean, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I uh, hung a bit with him in a bar when he was uh, promoting Milo Yiannopoulos. And I tried to stay away as far away from Milo, Milo Yiannopoulos as possible. Why? Just because he's, he's one of those people who you don't want to... He has, he has many fine qualities, but he's not somebody you want to hang, hang your hat on. Uh, and Bannon did hang his hat on him, and that was a mistake. Uh, and... There were there were some great people there too, like Brandon Darby, who is part of Breitbart. But um, anyway, and that's the last so, time I saw the guy. I think. So, how serious do you think these charges are? I don't know. The, the, the weak link, to my mind, seems to be they they concoct the scam. Okay, if it's a scam, there was. I don't, I don't think they necessarily concocted it as a scam. I mean, right. And in fact, I mean, you know, if I put myself in in the shoes of this guy, uh, what's his name, Brian Colfage or something? Shoes, shoes is a particularly bad analogy. <laughs> Mickey, come on, you are canceled. First, the Irish, <laughs> now not disabled, now disabled people. I mean, yeah, the guy deserves He's some a sympathy. Triple amputee, <laughs> Mickey. Yes, it's true, and he deserves our sympathy for that reason. He he lost two legs. And an arm in Iraq. And you can joke about it if you want. I wasn't a joke. You're the one who made it a joke. But you're the I one will... who's can- you're the one who's canceled, buddy. <laughs> no. <laughs> I you're did the... not I was you're the using puppet. I'm not the puppet. I was using shoes <laughs> metaphorically. And 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 it, truly I was not making that connection. But I will say, look, if you're him and you're trying to justify this. He was. He, it turns out he was taking twenty thousand dollars a month. This nonprofit had taken in twenty five million. There are nonprofits, probably where CEOs are getting that. You know, nonprofits on that scale where CEOs are getting six figure salaries. Oh, that totally. by itself isn't fatal. The problem is the fraud. He explicitly assured people he would not take a penny. And then the weird thing is, and also they seem to have taken great pains to kind of conceal the money transfers. And, you know, uh, once they apparently learned in October that the feds were looking into this and suddenly he and Bannon started communicating via encrypted app. But it sounds like Bannon, according to the initial reports, got even more money. And hmm. it sounds like there may have been fake invoices and so on. Um well, they, they brought. I, I was thinking Bannon's, Bannon's defense would be they brought me in late to give some credence to their campaign, but I didn't really know the details of the fundraising. I was just the no. The but it sounds man. like it sounds like Bannon set up the nonprofit that was the vehicle for laundering or you know concealing the transfers. It sounds like he is hip deep, according to what the prosecutors well, that, are didn't, saying. Didn't 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 GoFundMe sort of require them to set up a nonprofit? So at some point. Yeah, but I Somebody, think that, somebody's going to set up a nonprofit. I believe that's actually a different nonprofit from the main one. Yes, GoFundMe mm-hmm. did say if you're doing this kind of volume, we want to see an actual nonprofit company. So and, they set up the Build the Wall nonprofit. And why does 
being a nonprofit absolves them of anything. That's what I don't understand. It doesn't absolve them of anything. Yeah. It's it's just that GoFundMe wants some sense of legitimacy if you're bringing in this kind of money. I don't see how that helps them hide anything. Obviously, well, it does subject them to a kind of government oversight. There's kinds of things they have to confirm right. and write right. into the government. So how is it? How is it? I was setting up the nonprofit part of a cover up if it is subjects. No, to no. Oversight. What I think is the case is that there was a whole second nonprofit whose function was to be a vehicle for the the oh, okay. concealing transfers. I'm not quite it's, sure about that. I will what? say. Do you want to? Uh, you know, it was funny. So Bannon yesterday he just suddenly disappears from his podcast and they don't mention it. The guys putting it on, they say nothing. Today he's back, and do you want to hear what he said about... Yeah, um, sure. So this is, uh, I mean, of course, I mean, first of all, he said it's a political hit job. Uh, and, and in fact, I thought maybe yesterday Trump would say this is the deep state trying to get Trumpsters. But Trump, unfortunately for Bannon, seems to be distancing himself from this whole thing, right? Did you think there was a chance Trump would try to turn this into part of his persecution narrative? I thought he said something that implied that, but... Uh but um, he's mainly distancing he's himself. Mainly so distancing far. Himself. He does. He didn't like this wall, and I don't know quite why. I guess he thought it was designed to show him up. Now here's you know, what, here's Trump, the here, Trump takes forever, and we're building the wall ourselves. Now here's the deal. He did like the wall at first, and this guy, you know, Kobach from Kansas. What's his uh, KOBA? Chris Kobach, yeah, yeah, Chris Kobach. He he's involved. He was on the board of this thing or something. He he in February. Or something like back then, he, roughly then, he talked to Trump and came out and said, Trump supports this initiative and told me I can tell the media that. So it had Trump support. Then in July, some embarrassing stories came out about how they had tried to do this really radical wall design. They thought they could put it right on the banks of the Rio Grande and that would get around all kinds of problems. Well, it turns out the unfortunate thing about the banks of the Rio Grande is that they are the banks of a river. They will get eroded and the wall will start collapsing. So it became an embarrassment. It's at that point that Trump said, yeah, I never liked this thing. It seemed like showboating and blah, blah, blah. But but he did support it initially. Well, now, it's definitely showboating. But, uh, well, it turns I out thought, it's more than that. I thought I thought Trump should have done showboating himself. A, a friend of mine had the idea that Trump should have just bought a mile of property, built a wall that he wants with his own funds, and say the first mile's on me. That would have been a great uh, PR stunt, and he didn't have the imagination to do it. It's not too late. So anyway, he you want to hear? He could have built it to his own design instead of the crap design he wound up with. So you want to hear Bannon on his podcast today talking about the support he's gotten from the various friends and well-wishers who saw him being perp-walked out to the car? Sure. Here we, here we go. Some time for that. I don't want to lose this. I got so much compliments yesterday on my hair and my uh, and, 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 and the tan. I, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to lose the weight. I think I'm getting there. I'm not, I'm not totally – don't laugh, fish. I'm not totally there yet. So anyway, what? there's that. His uh, hair did look good, and I – it has inspired me to let mine continue to grow. His hair, I is, thought his hair looked good. Is he the one who spent the money on plastic surgery? And if so, what did it do? I do not I believe so, he did. I, did somebody in so, this particular scam yeah, do that? Somebody, somebody spent money on plastic surgery and I thought it was Bannon. By the way, this may not he, be the end of his troubles. The day before this story broke, the Wall Street Journal ran a piece about how this company that Bannon, I think maybe is the director of or something, that's associated with this guy, Miles Guo, this, uh, right. Chinese, um, fugitive, fugitive from China who, on whose yacht he has been for the last couple of months and whose yacht he was on when he was arrested. 
It turns out that company is being invested by the FBI and the SEC. A number of investors say that after they gave Miles Grow their money, they got no written confirmation that they had given him any money. And they're kind of upset about that, like no receipt. It's like you should get paperwork when you invest millions of dollars in a company. That That's the media company that... Um, the Bannon right. is very involved. But so the, um, there may be there may be more trouble yet to come. Maybe the plastic surgery added some more crags and bags on his face to make him look more like George Washington. You know, I don't know. That is possible. Um, the um, uh, a couple of things. This U.S. Attorney's Office, of course, we still don't know quite why. Trump and Barr wanted to replace the U.S. attorney, which they did, but they weren't allowed to stick in their own person, so they got this right. woman who's now indicted Bannon. Right. Was that, a, was that an attempt to block the Bannon indictment? I sort of doubt it. Yeah, I do too. People are saying that, but it doesn't... Trump doesn't like Bannon that much. No. It's not, it's, although, uh, it's, although there is this. There is the possibility that they could now flip Bannon, who, who may know God knows what about Trump. I mean, remember, there is... And maybe this is in the same prosecutor's office. Maybe this is Southern District of New York. Oh, no, maybe this is New York State. Anyway, there's various aspects of Trump to look into. Some Somebody's looking into his finances. Um, and one spec, piece of speculation I've heard is that if, if Bannon, you know, they arrested four people here. They've indicted four people. So some of them are going to want to, you know, bargain and talk about the others to reduce their sentences. Um but one thing that was pointed out was that uh, they can also reduce their sentences by talking about other cases. So if Bannon has other things he can say about Trump uh, that have nothing to do with with the, the build the wall case, that could get him off the hook here. So it could be that that uh, Trump did fear the prosecution of Bannon because of second order effects. But I doubt I doubt Trump would try to replace the prosecutor out of concern for Bannon. And of course, uh, after the election, Bannon doesn't have to worry that it's going to hurt Trump's election chances. So uh, well, he, well, he'd be freer to to blow the whistle on him. Well, and in fact, but, one question is: Does Bannon now hope that Trump will lose because Bannon is more likely to be pardoned by a lame duck Trump than by a Trump who's got to be president for another four years? That's a good point. Um, the uh, uh, Bannon's credibility problems are are serious, given that he is Bob, an Irish Blarney storyteller. Uh, the um, I you're remember you toast, man. I, I the Irish are Josh, coming back. I remember Josh Green uh, wrote this book about Bannon that, and it led with an anecdote about Ann Coulter about how Ann Coulter had written uh, a Trump speech that the, she she then proclaimed was. Uh, was the greatest thing since the Magna Carta on Twitter, and it was it was basically bullshit. I, obviously, I'm not 100 percent sure, but obviously from Bannon, Bannon said, "Hey, we got Coulter to write the speech, and then she praised it." Well, in fact, they got Coulter to submit some ideas. They rejected the ideas. It's obviously a Steve Miller speech, and and and, and praised the Steve Miller speech. So, and this was the story that Josh led the PR for his book with. This was like his big. Number one story, and it was bullshit because it came from Steve Bannon. So it's not clear that Bannon is the world's greatest witness here. No, it's not clear. By the way, you want me to take the opportunity to uh, 
to trash Maggie Haberman. Tra- trash is too strong a word, but there, there's something that the New York Times got wrong in their story about this, and it's not totally trivial. Okay. I mean, it, it, it's barely, it barely even qualifies as wrong, but it signifies something that they don't, that they're missing. It's a point that they're missing. So this was a sidebar. This was a piece. Uh, it was Maggie Haberman and two others. Of course, these days, New York Times can't publish a story with fewer than like three, you know, authors. Well, the other thing is, of course, Maggie Haberman doesn't write the pieces. She just reports. Okay. So, w- so she, she very rarely you'll see a solo byline from Maggie Haberman. Okay, so the piece is, Arrest Disrupts Bannon's Efforts to Stay Relevant After Leaving the White House. It's about how, you know, he was working to stay in Trump's orbit, stay in the game, and this is not good, which is true. But there, so there's a line about how this podcast, you know, they're talking about how the podcast had brought him back. So here, here's, here's what they, uh, they write. He began hosting a podcast focused on the health and economic hazards of the coronavirus from the basement of the Capitol Hill townhouse where he once ran Breitbart. War Room, pandemic, attracted sponsorships from top-tier advertisers like Oracle. Okay, it Oracle was the only respectable advertiser that the podcast itself... Now, I don't know about the video stuff on YouTube or on cable or anywhere else, but the podcast itself... Never had a single, for a long time it had no ads. Then it finally got the Oracle, uh, ads. And, but aside from that, it was just like, uh, you know, buy gold coins and put them under your mattress because of the apocalypse that Trump is ushering in, basically. It's just like complete trash ads. And then Oracle, and Oracle kinds of, kind of stands out. Buying, and buying and, gold coins was really good advice. Actually, <laughs> have, you seen, have you seen what's happened to gold coins? Totally. I I won't get into my own investing philosophy, but I have I have a little I don't have gold coins, but I have a mutual fund that tracks the price of of uh, gold. It's anyway. Go ahead. Anyway, Uh, it's in my retirement. It's in my retirement account. Anyway, Oracle's a good stock too. Okay, but but she doesn't understand what's going on. It isn't that oh it got all these top tier advertisers. No, it's like Larry Ellison, a Trump supporter who runs Oracle. Divided, decided to send some money Bannon's way. Nobody else right. wants to touch that podcast. They say crazy conspiracy shit. They tra- They call people like Bill Gates, you know, communist collaborators. Nobody's going to touch that. But but the fact that Larry Ellison, who has held fundraising dinners for Trump, decides it's a it's a good political investment. That actually is affirmation of kind of uh, 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 part of the the Haberman narrative that that Bannon was working his way back into Trump's or- orbit. The fact that Ellison wants to invest, um, and and by the way, recently um, Ellis Oracle has entered the race for TikTok, and Trump has spoken favorably well, about that, which is so- another sign, by the way, that we have a corrupt president who 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 uh, you know uses his office uh, to. You know, is financially assist his supporters, but um, that's the real story about the Oracle ads. Is that Larry Ellison um, thinks Bannon is worth investing in? He may change his mind now, but that's what was really going on. So that wasn't something she got wrong; it was something she missed. Well, she missed it, but 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 no, she said no. This this part it, it wasn't a factual error, but to say it this way, okay. Attracted sponsorships from right. top tier advertisers right. like Oracle. That's factually wrong. The plural is wrong. Yeah. There was only one top tier advertiser. Uh, it's, it's, and, and it's a company that's run by a guy, 
um, who is, you know, playing footsie with Trump under the table in ways that should concern anyone uh, who cares about American democracy. It's weird. Um, le- wasn't Larry Ellison a big Obama fundraiser in uh, in 2008? My impression is that the house, the house at which Obama said they cling to their guns and God, that was at Larry Ellison's house. He said that was at it? a fundraiser. I think my oh, brother, my brother was there. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, these guys just invest in whoever is the president. They just want to get by favors, you know. But that's, um, that's a cynical view, Bob. Okay, speaking of cynical views, Mickey, you one could, thing you could be sincerely for Obama and then sincerely for Trump. Not crazy. That would not be all that easy, actually. But the the um, millions of Americans did it. In a country of 350 million, millions in the sense of two million or something. The um, one more thing about one more thing about how how Trump uh, is kind of creepy. I hadn't realized to get back to the postal thing, and of course the 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 post office has wisely suspended in the face of all the blowback from Democrats. It has wisely suspended all the cost-cutting it was starting to do in the post office and removing public mailboxes right. and so on. It's suspended that till after the, the election. But one thing I learned that I hadn't known is that the guy who runs the post office traditionally has been somebody from the post office business. And Trump, I think, broke precedent by installing a mega donor. And, and, well, and he's the- a mega donor whose who's expertise is in logistics, which is the post office. And, who, and it, arguably, the post that that tradition did not serve the post office well, as it nosed into greater and greater deficits. He also owns stock in competing in services uh-huh. that compete with the post office. But my point is, it's just there's so many little things. It's like if you had told me a year ago, well, Trump, it turned you know the postmaster general is a mega donor. I would have said, well, how bad can get that get? Well, it turns out. It's going to be a very important job. Well, as I said, it was a, br- a brilliant move because it drove the Democrats crazy into a paranoia that led them to destroy their vote-by-mail campaign. Anyway, the point is just he just – all the little norms he violates do add up. But and- that, I'm not – if you actually read the articles on the specifics of what he's done, they do, they do not trigger your paranoia. Now, he could still throw all the Democratic votes in the dumpster, uh, but uh, – you know, the, the, getting rid of post office boxes happens all the time. Getting rid of uh, the mail sorting machines has been an ongoing thing. Uh, they don't need them because the volume of mail is down. Uh, getting rid of the overtime, the overtime was killing them. They had to somehow get rid of the overtime. Uh, and uh, and that was one way to do it. Uh, instead of waiting till till you get all the mail and then leaving late in the day, Take the mail you got and go and deliver it, and we'll deal the re- with the rest tomorrow. It's the Andrew Sullivan yeah. method of editing, and they're applying it to the post office. Say what you got today, there'll be another column next week. No, it is, uh, it know, is, it is plausible that everything he was doing was above board, but it's hard to say for sure, and one of the prices you pay for installing a supporter in an important office like that is that People have reasonable doubts. It just nothing, undermines confidence in, nothing, the, in the in the system of governance, and and that's that doesn't have to be. This just is stick nothing. With, is, stick with the tradition of installing people from the post office as as postmaster general. This, no mega donors, and it, it's just good. It's just better for the country. This is nothing as bad as Obama letting his ally, who ran a soft medical software company, uh, work on the 
medical software requirements of the Obama uh, Health Care Act, with the result that her firm, which produces crappy software that has gummed up the relationship of doctors and patients around the country, got the contract. Okay, that was not only was it corrupt, it was awful. Every doctor hates this mm-hmm. software. In order to in order to write down that your test was benign, they have to click six boxes instead of like just checking off your test was benign. Uh, and it's because Obama appointed his crony in charge. That's right. bad too. He wasn't breaking precedent because there was no precedent for healthcare websites. But, but Obama also did violate a norm having to do with inspectors general that we've talked about before. And that's bad too. And you could, you could, you could blame very other about past inspectors president. general. But that said, Trump is just like an order of magnitude worse. Was that the inspector general in Sacramento? Yeah, we talked about this. Uh, he was the, he was the least convincing inspector general in history. Yeah, anyway, the point was Obama replaced uh, an inspector general right off the bat, I think, and that hadn't generally been done or something like that. Um, now, but again, so, that's a good example of where Trump has done that like six times over or something, yeah. and that's the general pattern. He's just way, way worse than anybody yeah. else. Bob, one of us has been a mailman. You've been a mailman? You betcha. I worked, you the, summer, I worked the summer at the Hollywood Post Office. There are part-time jobs. You, you, er, er, uh, w- back in the early 1700s, when I was graduated from college, uh-huh. I was in college. They they gave out the postal service summer jobs. They need to hire some temporary people because people go on vacation in the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, buy an SAT-like test. So they wound up hiring all all sorts of uh, people who went to college because they did well on the SATs as postmen. So I I got a summer job at uh, the Hollywood Post Office delivering to Now fr- I delivered I delivered returned bras to Fredericks of Hollywood and I also delivered to Grauman's Chinese Theater. Um so there. Uh but um uh so I, you- I sort of know at least the type of person that becomes the post Postal worker and the sort of conditions they work under. There was since since the, since those years there was a huge speed up, where they made their all, lives a lot more miserable. But go ahead. Did you mean to say that this was the early 1970s? <laughs> it was. It was. Uh, I think it was I mean, 1970 itself. Okay, but what you said was the early 1700s. I that just wonder if that was a self-effacing joke or a sign that you're entering Biden territory. Self-effacing joke. Okay, good. I was worried. Um, it's, um since been, it's since been replaced by a test that tests whether you're qualified to deliver mail. So it's like, uh, you know, requires memory, memorizing addresses and shit like that. What's the, um, what, what is the most, um, what's the earthiest job you've ever had? Like when you're, when I you're only, doing, when I'm you're a, doing reverse snobbery and trying to, Convince people that you don't come from the background of privilege that you, in fact, come from. What job can you cite? I delivered chicken for chicken delight in Beverly Hills. That's not bad. But well, if you, if you leave well, out the Beverly a, Hills part. The guy the guy delivering the chicken next to me was a screenwriter who later made a movie of it starring Steve Gutenberg and Phil Silvers called The Chicken Chronicles. It's pretty good, actually. Um, uh so that that takes it back into the world of privilege, I'm afraid. Um, yeah, my my mine is better. Like I, I worked at real pizza <laughs> and, huts in and I, Texas. I worked I worked on an assembly line 
producing electrical connections for a couple of weeks. And of course, at, at, uh, electrical connections are the places where PCBs are. So I may have been exposed to a whole shitload of PCBs, which is a very, very bad chemical. Well, I painted houses and was perched precariously up on like a setup you wouldn't believe. I could have died. That's scary. Um, so I win, it looks like. So anyway, back to um, what other well, thing? Th- this. We haven't, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. We haven't talked about Kamala. Oh, what's to she say? I'm not a huge Kamala fan. Uh, and I think in somewhat well, the way you're not. Well, um, she's, uh, she's fine. There are three objections to her. One is, I just, I just find her, and people are, accuse me of being sexist. Her, her giggling and sort of, uh, smug sort of, you know, whenever she's attacked, she, she's smiles and, you know, she's the, she's a woman who I would say, you know, you should smile less. Okay. Uh, if she smiled less, she'd be really effective. When she just straight faced prosecuting Trump, you did this, you did this to this. She's fantastic. But if it, but her, her default position is this smug, hey, I'm a valley girl, I do hip hop, you know, and she thinks that the worst part is she thinks it's charming and it's not charming. Well, so it's not charming that. to you. It's not charming to you, but you are charming to-, to voters. She did terribly in the primaries. They didn't like her. Well, that's true. She's not winning in the primaries. Um, um, I have the same problem when I'm. I, I often seem smug to people when, of course, that's the farthest I've thing. I've been meaning to tell so, you smile and dance so, too much, yes. But, um, so I sort of empathize, but, uh, the second thing is she's blobbed up, as you pointed out to me. Her advisors tend to be people who, uh, like Flor, Flournoy, the Defense Department official, who I think was too interventionist even for Obama. Yeah, she's um, trouble. Michelle Flournoy. Uh, and so, so the transition from Biden, who wants wanted to pull out of Afghanistan and sort of wants to let Iraq, divide, you know, subdivide itself, to Flournoy, that would be a step in the blob direction. Uh, mm-hmm. So that'd be bad. And and the third thing is she 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 governs sort of like a power mad authoritarian in in the well, sense when that has she, she governed. When has she actually governed? There's a long governed? list in the New Republic of of. Well, she was attorney general on things she pushed, and well, what she, she do? What she do as attorney she's, general? She, she's constantly saying she's uh, she, uh, she she persecuted the guy who did the video of Planned Parenthood about how they were selling body parts. Persecuted in, in, or prosecuted? Prosecuted. Well, both in in a way that's vindictive that she would never do. It was a clear case of political, uh, you know, vendettaism. Uh, she's constantly saying, well, I'll give Congress 180 days and then I've just had it. I'm so over the, I'm so over this Congress stuff. I'm going to act myself. And that's, um, that leads to, so, and I thought her speech was blah. Okay. It was like nothing. I uh, didn't watch much of it. Yeah. Um, she's funny. Uh, you know, she first entered my consciousness. I'd never, heard of her until the Kavanaugh hearings. This is before Christine Blasey Ford entered the picture. Do you remember her kind of raking Kavanaugh over the holes, over the coals in a, in a way that seemed like it was going to lead somewhere and just never did? She was. I didn't it, watch those hearings. I it was odd. It really it. caught on. It, it went on social media. It really was her almost her first big thing, I think. And she was like 
trying to establish that he had talked about the Mueller report with somebody at a certain law firm. And he was being kind of evasive and he seemed uncertain. And he's like, I don't recall. And she's and she was tough. She was good. She was like backing him into the corner. And that's what went on social media. And so you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, okay, presumably tomorrow she's going to tell us, like, what's the evidence you have that he did talk to somebody and what was bad about that. It just never happened. It was. It just went nowhere. Hmm. And I haven't been a fan of her ever since. Yeah. I mean, um, it, so um, in the, the you know, I think last week we talked about. I talked about her as Eve Harrington, and sort of this ambitious in the movie uh, schemer in the movie All About oh, Eve. Yes, and 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 you said uh, quite reasonably, well, where you know she's going to be vice president. She has no power. Where does this Eve? Eve opportunism come out, and and I thought of an an instance where it would come out. Suppose Biden shows more signs of senility than he does now, and he seems to be losing it. And Jill Biden sort of does the Mrs. Woodrow Wilson thing, where she sort of she sort of takes control of the situation mm-hmm. and controls all communications, and she maybe becomes the de facto president or not. We don't really know. Maybe Tony Blinken's the de facto president. Ugh. Maybe Bruce Reed is a de facto president, which I would certainly go for. But, Over um, Tony Blinken, for sure. Is Bruce, is Bruce Reed involved in this? Is he up yeah, there? Yeah, he's a Biden person, yeah. Um, so, mm-hmm. um, uh, anyway, there's a controversy, and that would be the time when Kamala would assert herself and say, start saying, well, you know, there is a 25th Amendment, you know, if you can't carry out the duties, I should really be president. And she could start agitating to basically get Biden stripped of power and have it conferred to her. It would take a lot to make her do that, but maybe there will be a lot. That would be an instance where... No, there could... It's not uh, impossible she, that... She would She would do that in a way that other people wouldn't, I think. I, I think that's conceivable. I mean, what I actually said last week was not that Vice President has no power, but that, by and large, her interests would actually be aligned with Biden. She would want the administration to succeed, and then she, presumably he would not run again, and, and she would inherit the throne... But, um, but, Um, but yeah, no, I, 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 there are people I'd rather see running, but she's what we got. This, this brings, brings up one of my big points, which is parole in place. Uh, as you know, my line has been that the Senate matters because my number one issue is stopping a big immigration amnesty, uh, which I think will be, well, they don't, they don't talk about it, uh, smartly. That's going to be one of the first things they push through the Senate if they win the Senate. So my goal has been to stop the Democrats from taking control of the Senate, even if it means electing a lot of Republican idiots. And I cared less about the presidency because I figured Biden with a Republican Senate isn't going to be able to push through an amnesty. But, mm-hmm. There's this doctrine called parole in place, which I just learned about, which Kamala Harris has championed, which suggests and that she can do a whole lot of damage through executive order. So this this attitude she has, which that, is that Biden could Biden could or she could if she were president. But Biden could. Yes. And presume and, and there'll be tremendous pressure on him to do it, even if he opposes it by the by the same people who, who are pushing it on Kamala, uh, which is. Uh, there's this doctrine where you can say, okay, illegal immigrants, we're using our executive policy to parole you in place, which basically legalizes you. It means, it means you have the same status as a dreamer, as a DACA person. You can work, you get a work permit, you get social security. We're not going to deport you. 
You can even eventually become a citizen. You can get a green card. You can become a citizen. It's like, a, you know, you have to wait a long time to become a citizen. But but in the meantime, you can work. So it's basically uh, an amnesty by executive order. And it had previously been a fanciful legal theory. But there, they, they managed to sneak a provision into the Defense Act a couple of years ago, which Trump signed, that gave it some legal credence, uh, obviously intentionally doing that. So basically, if by if we elect Biden and a Republican Senate, Biden's going to go ahead with the amnesty anyway through executive order, which puts me in a huge quandary because it means if I really don't want amnesty, I have to oppose Biden, which I'd rather not do. But Mickey, you were already on Twitter tweeting like somebody who wanted to beat Biden. And your excuse at that point was, well, that's because I want to minimize the size of Biden's victory. And now you're saying, oh, gosh, darn it, I may have to support Trump himself. But either way, you're throwing all your ammunition in support of Trump and against Biden. This isn't going to change your 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 own expenditure of energy. Well, that's that's just what I do, Bob. I I, I, I know. I I trash Democrat. It doesn't doesn't. There's no larger. There's no larger strategic. Uh, goal. It's that. That's what I do. It's I'm but a it's snake. bizarre. I'm a I mean, snake. remember, it's, it's in my nature. Yeah. Well, we'll explain it's, that. So, though. so, so when Kerry was running against George W. Bush, who had just gotten us into a disastrous fucking war, you claimed you didn't want Kerry to lose, but you spent all your time writing in support of the Swift voters. I was found. I was a founder of. Carrie Carrie haters for Carrie. I know, Mickey. That that was was your claim. And yet you didn't act. And yet all we saw was the Carrie hater part and not the for Carrie part. I voted for him. So what? I don't like Democratic bullshit. We have we have the entire press corps spouting Democratic bullshit, and you want me to add? Well, then why'd you vote for him? Why'd you you vote? We want me to add my voice to the millions. No, no. My my comparative advantage is pointing out that bullshit is bullshit. So this has nothing to do, your expenditure of your actual journalistic energy has nothing to do with who you actually want to be president, and which would be fine it if you're a straight news reporter, but you're not. It has something to do. It, it, well, it's not I, what straight But I genuinely don't do. get it. Like, why would you say, why would you say I did vote for Kerry, which would presumably mean you yeah. wanted him to win, and I, yet I, you have much well, more influence as a journalist idea, than as a voter. That, the idea is that if I, just because I'm going to vote for Kerry, you have to devote my entire journalistic efforts to electing him, even if I think it's bullshit? No, that's just not well, what wait, I do. What's bullshit? Is electing him bullshit? Then why vote for him? What are you saying? Saying I thought, saying, saying I thought that, 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 that Kerry's war story held up was bullshit. So I didn't well, what say about, that. look, you can always find something that neither candidate, you could have focused on George W, the way George W. Bush got out of military service in effect because he knew people, but you didn't want to focus on that. Um, I trashed Bush, Bush for the cocaine business. You spent like 95. I mean, you did the same thing you're doing now, which just like come out, just, just admit it. Like you want Trump to win. You wanted Bush to win. I, I mean, that's that I certainly didn't want Bush to win. I voted against him. <laughs> it's just super weird. It was, it was again. It, I mean, I mean, I'm not sure that Bush. Winning was a bad thing because because he basically did the surge and nothing else. So what was bad about that? But um, he'd already started the war. So uh, in two thousand four. So and Kerry's plan was a disaster. So not clear that Bush was no, bad. No, but I, I'm not I arguing was that. Him. I'm not arguing that either way. I'm saying it's it's odd that 
on the one hand, you you have never said, I'm a straight news reporter, I'm indifferent to politics. You've always said, no, I am an ideological, you know, I, I argue for things that I think should be argued for, blah, blah, blah. And yet, you have this tendency to uh, profess to support one person for president and yet spend and all yet your I don't actual tw- I don't influence tw- against them. I don't have that much influence in this. I, I just re- reject this idea that all all my influence should be directed for political ends. No, you, you say what you think. That's what that's that's what I add. And I and and I I happen you know I happen to see see what what gets me up in the morning is is saying what nobody else or very few people in in the media are saying when the Democrats are full of shit. The people there are hundreds of people who say when the Republicans are full of shit. You can go to Josh Marshall and read when the Republicans are full of shit. Well, you, you don't can need go to, come to people to in the in the right wing ecosystem who say exactly what you're saying. You're not adding any value. There's already people saying it. And if you think you're some kind of like crossover guy who's who's who, you know, I, you're wrong. I mean, you're in the right wing ecosystem. The right wingers say Biden's a socialist. Biden's not a socialist. That's well, not- you don't say everything they say. I'm just saying there's nothing you're saying that they're not saying. Well, I think there probably are things I'm saying that they're not saying. Well, let us know when you come across them. Speaking of uh, which, I, I, I wanted to ask you, what is, I think I know the answer probably, but the, you tweeted, um, something about the Charlottesville lie. You said, tweeted last night, Biden's speech was okay except for the Charlottesville lie. Now they're, uh, I would just recommend spelling that stuff out because it, to, it, you know, it is recognized as code to all these people on the right, but to people on the on the left or who see the tweet, they're just like, "Oh, this is crazy right wing code talk." Yeah. Well, I tried, so what what does that I, mean? I, I tried to um, write a Substack post about this, but basically, there's this rally in Charlottesville with a list of speakers, very few of which I'd ever heard of. Uh, but uh, mainly sort of objectionable white nationalists, but not entirely. And uh, and so they go to Charlottesville, and then these they have a permit, and then these Antifa people come, and, and they basically they they start getting into fights, which is sort of their idea. The day uh, the day before, there's this torchlight rally with these Nazi looking people saying Jews will not replace us, and uh, so, so that happened, and then the, the next day there was a fighting, and uh, the, the, the 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 it all seemed to end peacefully until the, the end when this uh, guy ran over one of the uh, I don't know if she was an antifa person, but ran somebody over and killed them. So I we have a she, de- I don't think she was antifa. No, yeah, or Heather so we or something. A, we have a dead person, Heather Heyer. Um, so um, the media wants Trump to say. They have this Manichaean view, uh, which is, uh, they're the people who w- went to the protest who are bad, and they're evil, and we condemn them, and they killed this woman, and the other side was good. And Trump refused to say that. He tried to come up with a more complicated thing, uh, where he said, uh, there were many people at that demonstration, and it's not clear whether he was talking about the night before or the whole demonstration. In some cases, he, specifically said he was looking at the video of the night before, there were some people who were very fine people, not the Nazis or the white nationalists. They should be condemned totally. He tried to completely 
condemn the Nazis and white nationalists by saying that some people on their side were very fine people. Okay, and the media has the lie is that he is saying that the not he is saying that the Nazis and the white nationalists were very fine people. Which is he that was what Biden said? Spe- specifically, we're trying to what Biden said is, and he conflated the two days. He said we had the the any five people who he implied were like completely good, and we had. Uh, we had the Nazis and white nationalists, and Trump said there were very fine people on both sides, okay? Uh, that, like, 99% is saying, Trump is saying that Nazis and white nationalists were very fine people. Um, he, Trump tried to create this circuit. There's clearly a category of people who are on the same side as the Nazis and white nationalists that Trump refuses to condemn, okay? Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the issue. The issue is, why does he not condemn them? Uh, should he condemn them? And I, when I grappled with this, uh, and, and you know, one of them was communicating to me as the rally was going on, and uh, she seemed like a pretty good person. And the New York Times interviewed this other woman who seemed like a pretty good person, who, who, who wasn't a Nazi or a or a white nationalist. Uh, uh, the, I analogized them to. The blacks in Washington, D.C. who were worried about the plan. You remember the plan. The plan was that the, the, the black area, the historic black areas of D.C., which is most of D.C., uh, were going to be targeted by real estate developers and gentrified, and the blacks were going to be replaced with whites and driven to the suburbs. They wouldn't be able to afford to live in D.C. because land near the center of D.C. was valuable, okay? It, it, that, that, a lot of Blacks believe that. Respectable blacks believe that. It was a little conspiratorial, but it's in fact what happened. The blacks, in fact, got pushed out of D.C. They're in the suburbs in Prince George's County. They've been replaced by immigrants and whites and gentry. Uh, D.C. is no longer a majority black city. Uh, so the plan happened, okay? And now, do we condemn the people who believe this paranoia about the plan because they were ethnically concerned? Or, no, we don't. We say you're a little crazy, but you're you're within the bounds of political discourse. Similarly, white people who think shit, uh, there's race preferences at the college, there's race quotas at the at the workplace. We have all these immigrants coming in. People, white people, the white community is endangered. We're going to be inundated and replaced. Do we kick them out of political discourse? They're not supremacists. They're they're defensive. They're just trying to preserve what they got. And they, you know, they shouldn't be identity, they shouldn't practice identity politics, especially white identity politics. That's a huge, that's a big mistake on their part. But do we say that they're bad people and lump them in with actual Nazis and fascists carrying torches? Both kinds of people were at the reality, at the rally. Trump won't trash the former group, the, the just the defensive, you know, white, we're, we're, we're being outnumbered. We're being pushed aside. I mean, if you read Ron Brownstein, the coalition of the ascendant is going to push voters like them aside. The Democrats crow about it. So why shouldn't the people who are on the other end of the crowing feel embattled and defensive? They do. Well, they go to this rally. That doesn't mean they're Nazis and and white supremacists. I would say two things, uh, both of which are just tactical advice. First of all, if you are going to go around tweeting like the Charlottesville lie, I would add a tweet explaining what you mean. Because link, anybody link, not in the right wing ecosystem is going to go Mickey's fucking crazy. I linked crazy. to my article. I linked to my article. Uh, not in that tweet. 
Not in the tweet but I'm talking about. In the next tweet. Okay. In the next um, the, the, um, but the other thing is, I think the case, I'm, I'm not sure I would, I would make the second argument. The reason is, I mean, look, there's an, there's an argument to be made that people in middle America, yes, in some sense, they are worried about the status of white people, but that's intertwined with economic fears and it isn't tantamount to, racism in the in the kind of traditional sense i mean i I think there's an argument i think there's an important argument to be made about that i just think that i assume that charlottesville in fact if you talked about people who are willing to go to charlottesville that was a pretty fucking extreme crowd and it's just like why get in the business of seeming to defend the people at charlottesville if it actually takes away from your ability to make the larger argument that you know there are Trump voters who worry about immigration, and it's not because they're bigots, right? That's that's the larger argument this is connected to, right? I, I think, right? I think it, you know, it, making that strategic decision, saying we're going to throw the good people over who were there, even if they were like, you know, overly defensive. I doubt and, there were uh, many. <laughs> I doubt there were many. There are a lot of people there, and the 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 the, the one description. I read was a was a live account, but this diary from somebody who followed me and was, you know, occasionally communicates named Loretta the Prole, uh, and people some people feel she's out there, but she she gave a very she wrote a very moving first person account of, you know, what it was like that day walking through with her husband, and there are these crazy group here, and there are these crazy Nazis here, and then you know she's very race conscious. She's, and there was a very nice man, and he was a Jewish man, but he was very nice. Uh, uh, you know, as if that was strange. So, they're, they're, they're definitely race conscious people. Uh, and, but I don't, she seemed like a good person. And there seemed like there were a lot of people there who, who like her, who, who were like, you know, looky loose. They were, wanted to see what these crazy right wingers had to say. Uh, maybe they'd read some of these crazy right wingers. Certainly, if you go to a Richard, if Richard Spencer was the only headliner, I would say, <laughs> sure, condemn everybody who goes to hear him. But uh, there was a list of nine okay. of them, and you know, a couple of them apparently were better than the others. So, um, well, take, I, take my I, tactical I don't, guidance or not. It's tactical guidance, but it involves saying something you think is bullshit, which is no, it doesn't. It just involves not yes, saying involves, something that you think involves, is true, which happens involves, all the time. No, they want to condemn everybody on that side as hateful and. That, I, mean, I, I mean, again, Mickey, that's what that's what Trump this and a lot of back, people gagged on. Th- no, this so gets I, back to the to to you to this habit of yours of like professing to support someone and swearing you actually voted for them and spending all your time arguing otherwise. It's like, and you say, "Well, I have to say the things that are true." There's a, there's a billion things that are true, and you can choose to say any of them, and some of them reflect favorably on one candidate and some on the other. And if all the things you say reflect unfavorably on one particular candidate, that says something about your actual sentiments. People don't subscribe to the parrot room to hear me spout strategically censored truths. They you're missing. People want to hear. What do you think? And they I want contend, to hear what you sincerely, most passionately think. I contend that you're missing my point, but let's continue. No, you to, want me. You want me no. to suppress the the pro-Trump parts of what I think in order to emphasize 
the anti-Trump part, if assuming assuming I want I wanted Trump defeated. Let's, and and that's I don't think that's the right way to live. You know. Let's continue this conversation in the. I don't think people want to hear. People don't want to hear the the. Well, the it'll, it's only one of a uh, number of delicacies that will be in the parrot room. But um, speaking of which, thanks to all our patrons who have access to the, pa- the parrot room and the the uh, amazing things that are said in, uh, in the confines of the parrot room. But uh, but but so, but beyond but beyond that, are just supporting this uh, this podcast itself. We do thank them. Um, I have some more things to a few more okay, things to say it, though. Okay, but I wrote Charlottesville like because I wanted to get people's attention and um, uh, be quick about it. And uh, it does tie in with this whole John Meacham idea that you have to save your soul, uh, which I just think is a way to appeal to voters. You, you've been bad. You need to save your soul. I mean, no. We're going to give you health care. That's the part that was missing. And you're saying that, Biden that was saying you need to save your soul? No, Biden. Biden said it says that less than Meacham, but Meacham and Meacham supplied the soul part. Obama applied the horrible things that are going on in America, and and Biden has a better view of both of those things than either of them. But uh, I'm talking about the convention as a whole. Yeah, well, I'm not a Meacham fan, so um, uh, condemn him to your heart's content. I always was a Meacham fan, and he's a, uh, I like him as a person, but he's uh, he's he's the classic guilty Southern liberal. In other words, at Newsweek, I work under him at Newsweek. He was, you know, he, he he was the guy at Newsweek who would stay up all night and rewrite the story, whereas I would go to bed. So um, that's why he's uh, ran Newsweek, uh, and he's a very very talented writer. But you would constantly be in conversations where. His mind is just stuck in the civil rights era. And you say, no, we have the underclass now. We're saying bad things about black people, not, not good we're, things. He, and, and they can't be overcome by Martin Luther King. He, we were talking about William Julius Wilson now and beyond. Uh, and that just didn't register the whole emotional uh, he, thrust. He's also, he also living aids, the civil rights era. He also aids in a bets the blob, which leads me to a couple of, of things I need to say. Somebody asked, uh, one of, uh, a commenter asked me to elaborate a little on the idea that this kind of weird deal, uh, establishing relations between Israel and UAE actually leaves the Palestinians in worse position. What do I mean by that? Well, the standard reckoning, and who knows how this will play out, uh, but the standard reckoning is that the Arab nations had withheld diplomatic recognition and normal relations, uh, with Israel as the reward for doing a two-state deal or in one way or another satisfying the aspirations of the Palestinians. So obviously, if you give that to them now, if one Arab, if another, you know, if one Arab nation gives that to them now, there's less on the table to reward them in, especially if, if other Arab nations fall in their footsteps, although I don't think a big nation like Saudi Arabia will anytime soon. So that's kind of the, the standard logic. I mean, the, 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 there's various ways this could play out and, 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 um, but, uh, uh, by the way, one thing that's emerged, I mean, I think a mystery was why did the UAE do this? It obviously g- was good for Bibi, and it, it was a gift to Bibi, and that led to speculation that maybe we were doing something for UAE. Uh, and it turns out that apparently, I guess both we and Israel were doing something for UAE. We are going to, there are reports that we're going to sell them all these sophisticated weapons, some of which I think have been uh, denied all Arab states, 
at Israel's request, and I guess, A, Israel uh, is relaxing that request in the case of UAE, and they may... They may get F-35s or something. We're going to sell them the crappy F-35 that's overpriced and slower than its predecessor. Highly sought after, though. <laughs> For what you go figure. I don't um, know. Um. The the uh, and then it's notable that finally the uh, uh, Britain, France, and Germany showed a little spunk and just told the Trump administration to cram it on Iran. Uh, Pompeo wanted to do this snapback thing that would impose yet more sanctions on Iran and they pointed out that like dude you guys got out of the deal you just don't have the power to do this now well, maybe they were maybe they were scared about the incoming Biden administration might tilt back toward Iran and they should take what they can get now from the possibly outgoing Trump administration wait who was scared the UAE Oh, the UAE. Know, well, I had moved on. Be, I had just be, moved on to Iran there'd be, but never there'd, mind. Be a, there'd be a there'd be a rapprochement with Iran which the UAE doesn't want. Uh, they want, uh, you know, a, a, a united front against Iran. And, and this is their chance to cut a deal with a sympathetic administration as opposed to the next administration, which might be less sympathetic. That's one that, possible. That's that, is one, that's been, that is an interesting been suggested, idea. Been Although, by the way, that I had wondered, like, won't there be time for Biden to derail his arms deal if he wants to? I mean... You would so think, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure it's in the that's in the in the bank. Quickly on COVID, I have a question. I mean, okay. first of all, the the numbers deaths are down slightly. Seven day average of deaths per day went from like 1060 to 1030. Uh, total current hospitalizations and new cases are declining more sharply. So you would expect deaths to continue to decline. And here's the irony: like, so I can imagine. The numbers getting better and better, uh, maybe up until the election, which would be good for Trump. The one thing that seems pretty sure to derail that is if a lot of kids go back to school and lot and people go back to colleges, and yet Trump is advocating kids going back to school. Um, so that seems ironic. On the other hand, a lot of people, a lot of school systems, and a lot of colleges are suddenly getting cold feet. Yeah. So I don't have a sense for whether. Uh, there's going to be enough attendance at schools and what's colleges. Happening in, what's happening in New York? Because New York is, you know, the place where it's just the the death rate is just dramatically fallen to I like think, a, a level that's not even a matter of concern. I think uh, things are still good, and I had a. Uh, but are they going back to school? I don't think so. Well, it's going to vary. I don't think statewide they are, and I think you know colleges are still trying to figure it out. You know. In, in New but Jersey, right. it's, in, it's in Trump's interest to say, let's just hold this up for two more months until it, November. It would be. And uh, it, just in or, case. Or, or some minimal thing like K through three returns. And then you've got plenty right. of classrooms for them to spread out. It, and it, it, any any little blip, any little hotspot, the media is going to proclaim disaster. Well, so or, he, ju- or just if the, if the rate of deaths is rising. And this seems to me the one thing that is They're most They're going to proclaim disaster even if the deaths don't rise. But the question is, the other the other important question is so so it goes. Suppose the deaths keep falling until like they're like at five hundred a day instead of two thousand or twelve hundred where they are now. And uh, no, it's like ten thirty. Okay. Do, do do we do we then stay worried? Do we still worry? What if there is no second wave? I and won't there be people who saying there's not going to be a second wave? Don't worry. Keep going. Uh, uh, that that seems to me is where the the debate is going to be, right? Yeah. Uh, 
And, which, and, which, which leads which, me to something that I, I kind of figured out while reading something this week that at first struck me as an epiphany. And then when you think about it, it's just common sense. But it's like they keep talking about herd immunity. And I realize, I mean, herd immunity is not like a fixed number. It, it depends on what the pattern of interactions is in your society. So like, you know, what they were saying was, well, maybe, you know, in some models, they have a small number of people moving around and having a lot of contact and, and then a larger number of people having very little contact. You know, the people are kind of sheltering or whatever. Right. And, and, and as the virus spreads within the small number of people, the spreaders, um, then you can reach herd immunity with a fairly small percentage of the total population. Like if you imagine right. 80% of America sheltering and then 20% in the essential jobs and the 80% have contact with some of the 20% but not with each other, then obviously if the 20% get immunity, you've got herd immunity. On the other hand, then if you say, okay, we've got herd immunity and the 80% come out of the, their homes, you don't have herd immunity because for this pattern of social interactions – Herd immunity is a higher threshold. Do you understand what I mean? Which is common yes. sense. I realize it's common sense. Well, no, it was it was, it was uh, counterintuitive at first, but but I think now people understand that the 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 people who are spreading it most get 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 it first, and they reach herd immunity first, and then you need a lower number. But I guess I guess that the, the trick is then to open up slowly enough so that you uh, don't. I don't know. You you slowly build up herd immunity from the core until right and uh, it, so that you never have like a massive outbreak. Uh, yeah, I mean, you kind of put the, your toes in the water. I mean, a, there, there's um there's an there's an ethnic dimension to this too. I mean, and a class dimension, which is the totally. engine the engine for the spread, at least in my area. And if you look at the stats, it's very striking. Is uh, the Latino the the Latino community is very hard hit, mm-hmm. uh, and the black community a little less so, but they have more deaths because they have more old people, and so they they may have achieved herd immunity. You know, That's, they go to work every day. Yeah, they they they're out there in the world taking their chances. They're essential workers. I claim they even work if they're not essential workers. They just work. So they 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 have achieved herd immunity for the larger society as long as. The larger society, as you say, doesn't mix with them. Right. Exactly. Uh, uh, or, or even if it mixes with them, that's fine because they now have herd immunity, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's as long as the larger society isn't mixing with each other. Like in my suburb, people take walks with masks, but we're not like in, you know, okay. we're not having indoor parties. And a, a strict apartheid regime, which nobody is advocating, where, where the non-Latinos mingled with each other, or the non-essential workers mingle with each other, let's put it that way, and the essential workers hung out with each other, that would work. Uh, it's not something we want, but that would work. Um, well, yeah, but again, I mean, once you have herd immunity among the essential workers, I mean, in, in the model I described, I was assuming that, like, okay, the people sheltering do have contact with essential workers. They right. have to go buy the things, pe- they have things delivered, yeah. whatever, but... Yeah. Um, 
Anyway. The eighty percent want to mingle with each other. That's the problem. The, yeah, and and they don't want to. They don't want to stay isolated. And they forever. increasingly will. But uh, so uh, anyway, we should. Um, I think that's the situation. There, but it's now the conventional wisdom that herd immunity is more complicated than we thought. Right? There were articles in the New York Times. Well, well, well that's the article I read. I think where they said that the the thing is different models of herd immunity assume different patterns of social interaction. You, you you can't just have a model where everyone is equally likely to right. encounter anyone in their physical proximity because that's, that's just, not the way society just, actually that's works. That's just heterogeneity, what they call heterogeneity, right? Right. right. Yeah. Okay. So um, um, we the should. The New York Times was late on that story. Yeah, and the insight was a little late to dawn on me, but it is the that story is I think the. I can, thing we've that talked made it, about this weeks ago. Not in exactly these terms, I don't yeah. think. Um. Anyway, it's um. Uh, I think that is the, the situation where we are now. Yes. Okay. So, uh, um, now onto the parrot room. Um, we we should say that we're pretty sure we're going to be here next week, right? But it being late August is a chance. I guess a small chance we won't be at all. A and there's chance a chance that it'll be at a different time. That it'll be like Thursday night, or conceivably later than Friday. Is there uh-huh. a chance of that? But we send out emails to parrot room people, right? Well, parrot room people get an email when the parrot room is posted. Right, and the rest of the people can look at our Twitter feed. Or okay. follow Blogging Heads, right? Well, there's that, too. You can sign up at, at Blogging Heads uh, to get notified every time the right show is posted, and there's usually a couple of those a week, and one of them is this. You can You can get an email. Uh, if you want to go to bloggingheads.tv and sign up for an email, that'll get you notified whenever the right show is out. That's not a bad thing to do. You can also follow us on Twitter, me or Robert Wright, or you at, Cal- you at Cal's Mickey. You can read our newsletters, but I'm too tired to even mention the name of mine. Um, and yet, <laughs> an entire parrot room lies ahead. So I'm going to have to go, like, eat some chocolate. You have to take, take whatever Joe Biden's taking. I'll tell you, but I'm going to take it five minutes earlier. Um, um, but there, me, are drug, there are drugs that will do that. See, that's, to me, the ideal combination for me in the future is Joe Biden's drugs, Steve Bannon's hair, and my hair. You're getting there. You laugh. You laugh. Eh? You're getting there. You're, next, we, next we start a direct mail scam. <laughs> I just mentioned one. <laughs> um so uh okay so are we are we done and then and then we will discuss candidly in the parrot room how we think we did during this conversation whether it was subpar I think have we gone over an hour I think we owe at least an hour well over an hour we're close to an hour and a half we should shut up really? and move on damn yeah, yeah. okay 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 see, see ya see you in in the parrot room the parrot that was a pretty half-assed version of Parrot Room, but that's where that's where I'll see you. Yes. <laughs>